We are back for another Codex Cantina episode, which is just two guys talking literature, trying to make sense of it. Now, we spend a lot of time pushing ourselves, trying to understand this literature, organizing it, and then bringing it to a conversational approach for how we deliver it. And we've absolutely put more money in it than we've gotten out of it. So if you guys are considering supporting this channel, we'd appreciate you checking out our Patreon link at patreon.com slash the Codex Cantina, as well as Ko-Fi of ko-fi.com slash the Codex Cantina. It all helps us in running the show, along with commercials, guys. So thank you so much. We're going to do a quick commercial break, and then we'll get on with the rest of the episode. It's the Harlem Renaissance. Jim Crow laws are in effect. Out comes Langston Hughes with today's One Friday Morning Let's talk about what it means and break it down a little bit. How come the tissues for this tearjerker of a story? Dang, Langston Hughes. Welcome to the Codex Cantina. My name is Una. My name is Crying Crypto. Now, I like this story because I think it's very approachable. I think this is one that is simple, but also can ripple and resonate on very deep levels. And when you start to pull back why you feel that way, you realize there's some very deep elements to this story. Yeah, this is one that's going to pull on your heartstrings a little bit if you let it, or it's one that's going to open up, you know, and broaden your thought of what happened to people across time in our country that may not look like you or have the same experience as you did. It's terrible when you think about what was happening during the Harlem Renaissance um, like, do you know, do you know what rent parties are? No, I'm not familiar with that terminology. So during the Harlem Renaissance, the white property owners would raise rents to levels that like the African-Americans couldn't afford, like basically robbing them blind because they're the only people that would rent to them. And what they yeah, do the is they'd throw, yeah. they'd, they'd throw these rent parties where they have musicians come over and like people would donate, pass the hat around to help people pay rent to get through that month, which is kind of sad that they had to go through that level of thinking just to pay rent, right? And, and it's and it's not because of anything they did. It's not because they're bad tenants. It's because of them being African-American that they were being taken advantage of. Oh, so it's kind of like our modern day GoFundMe accounts is when somebody has a problem in their life and everybody kind of bands together to help them. So, okay, I get it. That makes sense. Yeah, I guess in a sense. But what's different might be that this was culture. This was a way of life. I think, during that era. And I think that's worth kind of tapping into. And I think that's what Nancy Lee Johnson evokes in this story, right? A, a young senior at George Washington High, only a few years out of the South, and very seldom did her African-American complexion cause her issues with other students at the school, right? That, that's the premise of this story, where one at some point in time, she wins an art scholarship basically for this watercolor painting that she did, you know, and her principal and art teacher congratulate her, call her in and say, Hey, write up a little bit about your family, write up, you know, prepare for a big speech. You're getting this scholarship only to, you know, kind of daydream about this living the American dream. She's proud of what this means for her and her, you know, upon through her to her people, she says only to be called into the principal's office and be told that, the board called and they're taking the scholarship away because they don't want an African-American at the school. Absolutely heartbreaking. And then Miss O'Shea kind of tells her and commiserates with her about like, well, her Irish background meant that she's experienced some injustice, some racism in her life and uh, that they've got to keep fighting to get past it. And that's kind of just the main thrust of this story is what I would say. And at the end there, when she's saying the pledge is when she has this epiphany 
of that I'm going to fight against injustice and tyranny. And I think that's very relevant to today of, you know, the pledge and the national anthem and stuff. And people always, you know, when is it, when is it not appropriate to protest? And I think that she has made that choice at this point in time in life of, yeah, you know, justice for all. I'm part of all, aren't I? Why should the color of my skin you know, say otherwise. And we just celebrated, you know, Dr. King's, you know, legacy. And I think that uh, this story kind of encapsulates that of, yes, justice for all. Yeah. Yeah. So let's, uh, let's step through this a little bit, right? How would you say Nancy views her heritage? That's a tough question. I think that Nancy, she doesn't really think about it a lot until it's made apparent to her. She doesn't think that it's a big deal. She knows it's important, and I think that she's aware of it at specific times, but I don't think it's something that she lingers on. It's not something that she obsesses over. It's not something that is, is isn't important to her, but it's something that doesn't have to define her. I mean, it literally says in the text, Nancy Lee was proud of being American, right, with blood out of Africa. So... She clearly recognizes it, and it clearly is not a hindrance to her much, right? Because she says, Nancy Lee, because in the text, it says, Nancy Lee sometimes forgot she was colored herself. And I will read those, those lines as they are written in the text. And that's when, um, to me, I, I got these inklings when Miss O'Shea approached her and she was coming to the office. Do you remember that part when she was going into the office and she was just like, oh, am I in trouble? Like, did I shut my locker too loud? Was it the note that I wrote in French class? Like, very minor things. And she was terrified that they'd be used against her, in a sense. Like, I got a sense that this wasn't just a little girl being afraid, that this might be talking about how she could see other injustices and see how things are used against her that aren't really a big deal or her fault, even. I think of my own students when the intercom comes on or the, the vice principal walks in and, you know, they point or like, I need so-and-so or, hey, can you send so-and-so down to the admin portal? I'm like, what'd you do? And I bet that never in a million years, I, I hope in, in, in a never in a million years, none of my students would ever, ever dream of thinking I'm getting called down because of something that they can't control, like what color they are, uh, that they really truly did do something, you know, that was, you know, breaking the rules. And yeah, I, I think that it, it promotes this idea that Nancy would never think in, in that this would be an issue that I'm being called down and a prize is being taken away, a scholarship that has been awarded me is being taken away because of what color I am. And I think it, it sings well, that to her was, innocence. That was the first time she was called to the office. So she didn't even know she had won the prize at that point in time. Oh, that that's true. That's true. Yeah, I, I guess it just all of it, 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 it's something about her innocence, that this is something that hasn't corrupted her yet. Maybe, you know, she hasn't had that talk yet with her parents of that this is something that you are going to experience in your life. So what about Miss Diedrich, the art teacher? She had some unique characterization where they talk about she didn't, I mean, and, and as an art teacher, you'd think, okay, they're going to be surface level. They just visually see things. But that's not how Langston Hughes wrote her. They, he made sure that this art teacher saw through and saw the person, the artist behind the work. What did you think about that? I love how Hughes, who is an artist, right? He's a writer, which is a type of art. 
he is able to blend these kind of two art disciplines together and that there is so much more than the surface level and that this lady who does art really truly sees what it means for us to be people. And I think that we've talked about this before, that the, the idea of written language and art and spoken word is what defines us as a people. Okay, so art being kind of like representative of the people, if you're saying. Yeah, exactly. That it is more than just surface level. And this little girl is more than just surface level. She is more than just her race defining her. Okay, okay. I can see that because art is representative of culture and culture representative of peoples, right? Um, what did you think about the conflict that kind of arises here? Because the way Nancy views America, right? She's got this vision that, like you, like we started talking about earlier, that we're all equal, that we're all free. This is a place where we have the American dream, right? Which wasn't coined yet <laughs> by the time this was written. But the idea is that you could become what you needed to or wanted to in America. And that immediately comes in, like it's her dream. And that immediately comes into conflict with reality in this story, where Nancy gets that harsh dose that not everyone believes that everyone should have equal justice, equal, equal, uh, social, social equality. Yeah. This is the crux of the story that Nancy is realizing that there is not equality in America. And for the wrong reasons, we have talked about how, would it be good if all of us were exactly equal? No, we all have our strengths and weaknesses and it's okay that we're not equal, but we should not be treated differently because we're, we don't have the same equalities. And if we aren't treated equally, what should define why we are treated one way or the other? And I think that's what Langston Hughes is obviously trying to point out here. In my mind is that the race obviously shouldn't be something that defines you as, as a person. And Nancy is coming to that hard truth at such a young age. Well, I think Nancy has that line where she says, we sometimes are discouraged and bewildered thinking that color and poverty are against them. And this is her talking once again to to your point that it's not America isn't the, um, the meritocracy that we want it to be just yet, and that sometimes there are elements that come in and impact things. And in this case, the discussion is is injustice, you know, racism, where she loses the scholarship not because of what she has done, what she has accomplished, or what she hasn't accomplished. It's because of what she is. And there's there's nothing anyone can do can control that. And it's almost complete. And it's almost and it's irrelevant in the grand scheme of things, right? Like if you truly believe you are equal, then the outcome of this sh should be equality based. And that's not where America is, particularly during the Harlem Renaissance, right? Yeah, the equal of the writing. That's what they should be defined on. Equal of the painting. Equal of the ability to do a sport. Nothing else should matter if you're a boy or a girl, white, black, straight, gay, purple, tall, awesome beard, not awesome beard. <laughs> Those things shouldn't be it. And she is realizing that that's not the truth for her time. I think we've grown past that a little bit. Some. Some people. <laughs> well, there's there's still work to be done. Right, we see that with the riots that just happened in 2020. So here's my last question for you is, why did Langston Hughes write this story? I think Hughes wrote this story with the eyes of an innocent child and that it's going to be them that's going to have to make a difference. They're going to have to realize what has happened to them 
And I hate to say that of like them and us because it should be a we. And I think he's writing this to current generations and future generations that will have to work past that mentality of them and us and and make it a we. And that we don't have to have our cultures define us. They can be important to us and our heritage can be important, but it doesn't have to be everything on both sides of the coin, those that are oppressing and those that are being oppressed. You know, Langston Hughes, we're going to do some of his poetry here. I don't think you've read much of his, but dreams were a big deal to Langston Hughes. Like this wasn't like a small thing. And to me, uh, you talked about how there was a positive note at the end, right? And we have that quote, but the premise and the base are here. The lines of the Declaration of Independence and the words of Lincoln are here and the stars in our flag. Those who deny you this scholarship do not know the meaning of those stars, but it's up to us to make them know. And to me, this was his call to action, that dream that we can make a difference, that we can push America forward towards a better future, towards equality, towards justice. And I always I always have to go back to Zora Neale Hurston. You know I always do. She's like my favorite writer of all time. But she just had this line that has made me think about things. But she's been quoted to say, if you are silent about your pain, they'll kill you and say you enjoyed it. And I think that's something that we can think about, about just because you're voicing, you sometimes hear bullying of like, oh, you're just complaining about da-da-da-da-da, or oh, you just want such and such and such. Well, maybe sometimes that's okay. Maybe sometimes it's better to make a difference or to have at least tried than to have stayed silent and then everyone doesn't know the pain on the inside that you have. And I think that's, to me, the most powerful thing about Langston Hughes is he's telling you to never give up on those dreams, never give up fighting, and always believe in what you think is the right thing. And that's the beauty of this story to me is Langston Hughes' call to action for, I think, to your point, young Americans. And it kind of, I'm not sure I can say much more elegant and beautiful than that. Great job. I just think that we are stronger when we struggle, even though maybe we shouldn't have to and it is unfair and that uh, the system works against certain people for unfair reasons you get stronger because of those and Nancy will be stronger person and she will be able to raise better children and then they'll be better and then they'll teach their friends to be better and we'll all be better in the end. There will be more awards in the future to quote Mr. Hughes. Speaking of which, we will leave a playlist down below if you want to check out any of our other talks on his writings or his poetry, which is coming up soon. We appreciate you guys spending some time with us here today. We post videos every Monday and Thursday. Una out. Peace.